Where have you seen more hotties, absolutely top nines and tens? Do you see them more in Brazil or do you see them more in Poland and Ukraine, in your opinion? Um, that's tough. I, I would say like in both places, it, it was, I would say in all three places between Poland, Ukraine and Brazil, uh, far more hot girls than I've seen anywhere else. So welcome, Privit, to another episode of the Vodka Vodcast with me, Connor Klein. And today I am interviewing John from John Anti Lifestyle. John is a dating coach who is now based in Brazil but has lived in different parts of the world and has a huge claim to fame in this Manosphere dating space on YouTube to being the man who has slept with over 1,500 women. So he's a guy who's going to know a thing or two about the differences in lifestyle between here in Eastern Europe and Latin America in particular, and also dating women from those two different cultures. John, bom dia, tudo bem? Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, so I, I lived in um, uh, Poland and Warsaw for about a year and a half, and I lived in uh, Kiev, Ukraine, just for three short months, but I got a pretty good experience over there, right? Because I'm pretty immersed in the dating stuff when I'm in these places. And I visited a bunch of others, but now I've been in Brazil since February 2020. So I've been here about three and a half years. Wow, so already three and a half years in Brazil. So you spent some time in Poland. It was just in Warsaw and then in Kiev, the capital of Ukraine, right? Yeah, Ukraine, just right? in Warsaw. I originally was uh, invited to speak at the Sopot Summit, which is like a, a convention in the, in the Manosphere area um, that RST used to run. And, and it was kind of taken over by some some Polish guys. And so I went to speak at the Sopot Summit. I had a guy that wanted me to train him for a month before the the actual conference. And then I, I ended up building a rotation and I, I really liked it there. So I stayed. And what's interesting with Brazil, I just hit uh, 500 new girls since I arrived in Brazil. Because I arrived here, I track all the stats, as you know. So I arrived February 7th, 2020 at uh, 1,179 girls. And I just hit a couple of days ago, I hit 1,679. So in about three and a half years, I, I banged about 500 girls in Brazil. Okay, wow. There are phenomenal statistics. Uh, can you explain what you mean by rotation exactly? You said about Poland. Yeah, it just refers to, to girls that you see on a, a regular basis, usually about once a week. So I'll typically run like, these days it's about like 12 to, to 16. I think the biggest rotation I, I ran was in Warsaw. There was like 17 girls. And in Brazil, I usually have like 12 to 14 these days because I, I have a, as you know, I have a one-way open marriage with a Brazilian girl. Um, we have threesomes together. We've been together almost the whole time I've been in Brazil since like the first month. And then I have a side place and then I see, you know, multiple regulars on the side, typically like once a week for each of the regulars, except for the ones that are like kind of the highest ranked, like the main side chicks. I, I see them a little more often, maybe two to three times a week. And those are the hottest, coolest ones. And so, I, you know, there's guys in the game that just churn through a lot of one-night stands. I prioritize the rotation, even though, you know, the, the count has gotten really high. I typically give priority to, like, to Liz, who I live with, right, and then to the, the side girls to keep them all happy. You know, I see them ahead of, ahead of new opportunities. So, but that, I, I like it. the rotation is kind of like a conglomerate, like super girlfriend where, where you have different body types, different personality types, 
any one on its own would get potentially boring physically or, or, you know, internally, but all combined, it kind of gives, keeps things interesting. And, and there's always new ones coming in and, and replacing ones that, that I get bored with or whatever. Sometimes they want something more serious and they fall off. So. Okay. And do you find that there's much, um, cultural hostility, shall I phrase it to like having uh, a rotation dating more than one girl from the girls themselves like you were in obviously Poland and in, and in Ukraine and now you're in Brazil and you know probably should have said at the beginning that you're you're from the states so have you found that there's different reactions uh both maybe even from the society in general yeah usually the girls don't know that I'm seeing other girls um it's kind of like a don't ask don't tell thing so the way I look at it is like if I'm not their boyfriend then I kind of have liberty to to see other girls right and it usually doesn't come up if I, they, they don't usually ask if I'm seeing other people, but if they do ask, I kind of skirt around the question a little bit and I say, you know, well, I'm really busy with work and, and my work technically is dating girls anyways, right? But, so that's technically true. But I, 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 let, I lead them to believe that I'm just like busy working all the time and I just like fit them into a busy schedule. And I also tell them I'm really curious to see where things go with them, which is also true, right? But if they ask me like point blank, are you seeing other people? That is, an, that is an instance where I, I will typically, you know, not tell them the truth just because if I, you know, I have friends that are like fully honest, they'll, they'll tell girls, you know, I'm seeing five other girls or seven other girls. And that typically just introduces a whole lot of problems with like control and jealousy and stuff like that. And, and a lot of girls aren't okay with that either. So a lot of them will just bail out. But in terms of cultural differences, like obviously, yeah, the girls in Ukraine and, and Poland are much more kind of family oriented looking for something more serious, especially in Ukraine. So, you know, those girls would typically take like two to five dates to close, which is like the, the longest it's ever taken me anywhere. It was in Ukraine. Um, that, you know, it, it was not super common that the girls would want to hook up on the first date sometimes, but um, hardly any of them would come straight to the house. I think the only girl that came straight to the house for a date in Ukraine was a girl that had gone to college in America. So she was a little bit more open to that culturally. But as you know, because you live over there as well, um, a lot of girls will see a straight to the house date invitation as just a, a hookup request, right? Or just an invitation to come have sex, which puts them off. So um, it would be like two to five dates to close. And then, you know, a lot of them would, would, once they did hook up, they would kind of fall pretty hard for me. And, and you know, they would, um, you know, be, be very devoted and, and, and all this stuff. Like in Ukraine, I remember there was, there was like a 21 year old girl that I got through day game at the mall. Um, and, and she was like a university student. I think I was like her second guy ever, she said, and she was like meal prepping for me, writing like to my King, to my big boss, to my lion, you know, stuff like that. Um, and then she found out, you know, once I left Ukraine, I told her I was like a dating coach and stuff like that. And I kind of like, devastated her because she had kind of like fallen in love with me and stuff like that. So I try not to, you know, abuse their emotions or, um, string them along too much. But I, again, I, I kind of look at it as like, I'm not their boyfriend, so I'm able to do whatever. But I think a lot of them think that I'm the only guy that they're seeing. Right. And, and in Brazil, people are more sexually open and it's a little bit more acceptable to be dating around and girls don't, you know, a lot of girls will close on the first date. They don't put up this, um, you know, aversion. Still, some won't come straight to the house, you know, because they because they see it as a sex invitation. But it's not as conservative as as Eastern Europe in that regard. Yeah, I would say that I've also spent some time in Brazil, um, not as much as you. 
Uh, I typically go for a month, a year, although it's been a couple of years since I haven't been there. And I would say, yeah, they're definitely more open to casual hookups and sex in Brazil than is typical in, in Ukraine or Belarus and most of Eastern, Eastern Europe. Okay, how did you find dating in Poland and Ukraine? Do you notice any differences between the two? How would you say in terms of quality? Uh, we've spoke, spoke a little bit about the social mores or the sexual mores in terms of hooking up. Yeah, so um, as I said, like most girls would, would require like a public date first in Poland and Ukraine. And then beyond that, I found like in Ukraine, a lot of girls would push back on like places I would suggest. So I would say like, hey, let's go to this place. And very often they would say like, no, I prefer this other place. And, and of course, like from a game strategy perspective, I'm looking at the places that give me the best advantages to, to facilitate a hookup, you know, like the closest to my house. And they're thinking about like which places would they just like to go to enjoy. So they often would push back against the place I would suggest. And they would suggest a place that was like far away or, you know, logistically unfavorable. And so that was surprising. Um, and they would also, they, they also really were concerned about like punctuality. Like I remember in Ukraine, I think I was like late for a date by like 10 minutes and the girl left and, because I was 10 minutes late. Whereas in Brazil, everyone's like notoriously super late. Like if you plan for like 7 p.m., lots of times the girl's like still getting ready at seven. They don't, they don't plan, you know, a lot of people watching, they might be used to how it is in the U.S. where if you plan for seven, that's what time you both arrive at the place. But if you plan for seven in Brazil, you'd be lucky if, if she's leaving her house by that time. But it's, it's never that they arrive by that time, right? So that was like something I had to get used to and adjust for. So, the, you know, and, and some of them will delay even like one, two, three hours. So that you have to like kind of take that into account when you plan dates. But I, I really like the fact that girls will come straight to the house in Brazil, just like they will in the U.S. for the first date, because I don't really want to devote time to do go to go do the coffee or drinks, especially since I live with with Liz in the one way open marriage now. Right. I, I'm trying to minimize the the extra superfluous things. So it's better for me if I, from, from a time perspective, if I can just have the girl come straight to the house, get into the hookup within like 15, 20 minutes, and then, you know, tell her I have to work after or something like that versus going and doing a, an hour, hour and a half date in public. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I think those are the major differences. And, 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 and girls were also a little more um, put off sometimes when I would sexualize the conversation in Ukraine, especially. Right, they're, they're a little more conservative in that regard. Where, where in Brazil, they're they're more sexually open, so um, they're typically more receptive to that. And, and a lot more girls are like bisexual and open to, you know, uh, all kinds of different sexual things. Whereas whereas in Ukraine, uh, the, the girls were a bit more closed off. And I even had scenarios that were really shocking, like girls not being ready to kiss by a fourth date in public, which I'd never encountered anywhere in the world. And I, I lived all around. Yeah, I would say that's not unusual in Ukraine. Uh, that in terms of number of public dates that you would do before maybe you would make out even. Uh, that said, there's no shortage of one night stands or, you know, dating a girl very quickly, you know, hooking up very quickly as well. I think it's just there's a wider spectrum of what's uh, socially, uh, well, there's less social expectation. Of girl. Yeah, I, was, I just had one question about when you said these girls in Ukraine were suggesting a different restaurant or cafe or meeting place, and uh, they would suggest a different one to your proposal. What did you do? Did you insist on your place or did you accommodate their uh, request to change the location? Yeah, I would still, I would still try to um, bring them to my area 
but sometimes they they would like hard insist and and you know so sometimes i would i would i would let it go if it didn't really affect the logistics in like a deal breaker way and i would just meet at their place sometimes just to keep the peace because i i saw like some girls were like really adamant on on meeting at the place they wanted to meet at um but another big difference in ukraine is that like sometimes the girls would just like straight out ask me to buy them stuff right where like i remember there was one date i had where the girl um was like oh i really wish i had like a vape pen and I was like, oh, you don't have one? She's like, no, I really, I really want a vape. And she's like, but I don't have one. And I was like, oh, you should get one. And then after we had like our, our drink or coffee or whatever, she like led me to a stand where they were selling them. And she was like, oh, I want that one. Like, get it for me. Right. Or I had other times where, where I would like meet a girl, you know, we meet at like the mall to go to a coffee spot and she would take me to like a, like high end chocolates stand and be like, I want these, like get these for me at the very beginning of the date before we had even gotten to know each other. So that, you know, that, then that didn't happen with every girl, but, but that kind of just like blatant asking for stuff kind of threw me off. Um, whereas in Brazil, sometimes girls have asked me for stuff. Like once they're like on rotation, they're like, Hey, can you, um, get my gym membership or things like that? And, and I usually respond like, Hey, that's rude to ask for that stuff in my culture. Um, and, and then sometimes they get like pissy and they're like, oh, well, you're like doing really well for yourself. Um, you know, you're a foreigner and, and, and it's hard for us here and stuff like that. So I, I guess in both places, like girls expect, you know, uh, help sometimes and, and aren't afraid to, to just blatantly ask, which is, you know, culturally different than, than like the U.S. and stuff like that. Yeah, I think in Ukraine in particular, um I'm not sure how you're meeting the girls, whether it was meeting them by going out clubbing or on Tinder or you met them during the daytime. But there is a, a tendency, at least if we go before uh, 2022 in the Russo-Ukrainian War, that a lot of scammer girls, they would try to target foreigners and not only foreigners, they also occasionally target Ukrainian guys. And they would just basically have a deal with the restaurant, trying, you know, for kickbacks. So that's why a lot of them would insist on that particular restaurant. Or they would do, like you said, they would do the shopping scam, right? So they would then uh, bring you shopping afterwards and probably try to uh, see the idea, you know, oh, I don't have a vape, blah, blah. And then afterwards they would try and get you to buy it. So yeah, that, that typically is something that typically you would see in uh, Ukraine in particular. Yeah. And what's interesting is like, I talked to some of my friends that had lived in Ukraine for a while, and, and maybe you have some good insight into this as well. But they said like over time, uh, that kind of behavior has increased because of the fact that a lot of people have flocked there as sex tourists. And so there, there's like uh, more attention for the girls on Instagram. There's more guys there like offering girls uh, either money or, or gifts. And so it's become more of an expectation overall in, in certain circles of girls just because there's guys that are, you know, I don't know if you want to call it like simping over them or whatever, but there's like, there's like more guys coming there that are willing to like help them. So, so it's becoming more of a expected thing over time. Like, like the locals were telling me it wasn't like that, like 10 years prior and stuff like that. I was living there in, in 2017. So I'm not sure how it's changed since then, but I found that interesting is that it seemed to be like a, a, a thing that, that, wasn't the case before that was more that was happening more often as time went on yeah i think definitely in terms of targeting foreigners um it's already existent in the local culture that men are the main breadwinners they provide so i think you always had a little bit of that especially with super wealthy men they would just have mistresses and they would like 
buy them lots of stuff, sometimes like cars, apartments, <laughs> or at least have them living in the apartment. So this kind of setup, I think, for a lot of pretty girls was normalized in parts of Eastern Europe. Um, but in particular, the fact that a lot of foreigners come and they're willing to throw money at the girls, like buy them phones and do all this stuff to try and win them over, I think created this kind of uh, perception of these foreigners are desperate, they don't have women in their own country, they're kind of the losers back home and they're here just basically to be exploited because they're, if I sit, if I'm the pretty Ukrainian girl and I sit on a date with them, that's already massive value for them, that's an experience they can't have, so of course they should be buying me stuff and who cares if I get a kickback from the restaurant, it's like a discount, you know, I'm bringing them business, <laughs> you know, there's this kind of mentality. I wouldn't say that's the majority of girls obviously at all, but it's a, a hardcore minority that then go on to all the dating apps or they will keep and look out for foreigners and they will obviously make themselves super available and super friendly to those kind of two guys when they see them who are a foreigner and try and, and try and exploit them that way. I always used to joke that the best defense, uh, scammer defense, is to sp speak the local language, so Ukrainian or Russian. How have you found that learning Portuguese? Because I know that I've heard you speak a little bit of Portuguese, uh, which is obviously the language in Brazil. How do you think that's helped you with uh, your dating life, first of all? Does it make a big difference? Uh, and um, also then with your life in Brazil in general? Yeah, so I speak like very fluent now. Like I, I would say, you know, not like not like a Brazilian, but I, I don't I'm, I don't I hardly ever need translate um, with the phone. Like I can have like full long conversations with anyone. Like I have no problem speaking to anyone now. It's It's very fluent now. But for the first year, it was like hit or miss. More, in the very beginning, it was like almost non-existent. And then it was like just very basic level. And I was still closing a lot, but it was just more annoying because I'd have to use Google Translate a lot, right? And I, and I, wasn't, I was unable to, especially with, I, I would say like maybe one of the biggest differences it made learning the language was being able to cold approach better because like cold approaching with, with Translate is, is kind of annoying. And also on a date when you have to like pass it back and forth and, and stuff like that. Um, and also being able to just like make jokes and, and sexualize and stuff like that, like in terms of timing, like even once I started to understand the basics of the language, sometimes I'd want to make a joke, but I wouldn't know how to say it, or I'd want to sexualize the conversation, but I wouldn't know quite how. And then you miss the window. Whereas now I'm able to do those things so I can like vibe on a, on a stronger level. So it, I, but I, but I was still closing like pretty, pretty solidly, even without, any knowledge of the language. And I have friends that have come to visit here that have um, just just been able to get by completely with Translate and still done really well. So I don't know if it um, impacted the results too much, not speaking the language, but it just definitely makes things a lot easier, being able to vibe in the language, not having to use Translate, and also being able to walk up to someone on the street and, and run an interaction without you know, fumbling around and stuff like that is, is very beneficial. But they can still tell that I'm a foreigner once I because of the accent of when I speak of how I speak Portuguese. Yeah, I think in Brazil there's a lot more leeway if you don't speak the language. I think just being a foreigner or a gringo is still got value for them uh, off the bat. So I think they're more than willing to be to accommodate a poor level of Portuguese or having to speak in broken English or use the translator. How do you think it not I assume you don't speak Polish or Ukrainian or Russian? How did that impact your experience? Yeah, I learned some. Like, like so I learned basic Russian when I was living in Ukraine. And I learned um, Polish because I, the way I stayed in Poland was I, I signed up for Polish language classes. And so I was taking okay. Polish like twice a week. And my, my mom's whole side is Polish. I'm, I'm like Polish-Irish, as you know, on the like genetically. 
Um, so, you know, my, my, my grandparents on my, on my mother's side, they speak pol- uh, fluent Polish. And so I was taking the language classes like twice a week. The language classes didn't really help a whole lot, to be honest, to be able to get conversational. I think, that, you know, like what I've talked about on my channel, like with the Michel Thomas language learning method, this German linguist, um, he, he focuses yeah. on like the major 500 words in each language and the major rules. And so he has a course that helps you actually make progress very quickly. Like I took four years of Spanish in school and then I moved to Puerto Rico for a year. And when I got to Puerto Rico, I, could, I couldn't talk to anybody. I went through the Michel Thomas and after like five or six hours of that course, I was able to have like two, three hour dates with no translate. So I, I think, you know, being able to, to learn something that's very effective and efficient and optimized, same, same, same way if you're doing like any dating system versus stuff that I teach, it's kind of a similar effect where, where one has like a, a much uh, bigger, bigger result. So um, I don't, I don't, I don't know if there's a whole lot of value to, to be, be taking like the standard classes. Like I remember in the Polish classes, we were learning like names of fruits and like names, you know, things that just don't, wouldn't really help that much in real conversation. So I learned a lot of like yeah. random words, but when it came to having a conversation, I was never able to really nail that down super effectively by just taking the language classes in school there. Yeah, that's a typical experience of going to a language school or learning a language in school itself is that you learn a lot of superfluous information to what you actually need it for in terms of communication. And just my experience, I mean, I've learned a lot of languages over 10. um, And, you know, I've traveled around as well, like yourself, and dated in lots of different countries. I would say that for dating, like getting the initial boost of, knowing the very basics, being able to open maybe the conversation, going from that, which does have a good bit of value to actually being able to speak fluently and handle everything. And as you mentioned, as you described your experience in Brazil, not having to use the translator and being able to vibe, the difference in between that is probably a negative on your dating life because it's going to be a lot of um, hesitation. Uh, it's going to be a, very taxing on your brain. You're not going to make eye contact. It's very hard to make eye contact and maintain it if you don't speak the language. Your, your eyes tend to dart up, searching for the words a lot. Uh, I noticed that as well. So, yeah, that's what I tell guys. I think at the end, uh, maybe I, I ask it as a question. Um, like in terms of the language, how valuable do you think it is when you get to the other side, like where you are in Portuguese? Is it a plus one out of ten? Is it a plus two? In terms of your dating life, or, or do you think it makes a big difference? Um, well, it's definitely it's definitely nice. I don't have to like run to translate every single time I'm doing texting or like every single time I'm on a date or every single time I'm with a rotation. And like I said, I can I can connect and vibe on a deeper level because I can make those jokes when the timing is right. I can sexualize the conversation in the language, etc. Um, I, I think a really important factor, too, is like what's the, the level of English um, in that country? So like in Poland and Ukraine, I was able to get by with English in most cases, whereas in Brazil, you can't get by with English because hardly anybody speaks English. So you, you have to be using translate at all times, which is a huge pain in the ass, right? Um, but in terms of like a, a plus factor, um, you know, convenience wise, I think it, it, it makes life a lot easier and, it, and you can connect better when you can, when you can vibe in the language. And for cold approaching, like those are probably the biggest benefits. But in terms of raw results, I, I was still, you know, to be fair, I was still putting up uh, solid numbers. It was just like a lot more of an inconvenience for me because I would have to translate every text. I'd have to translate every day, 
you know, over and over. And I would just like speak into the Google Translator and show them, and then they speak in in Portuguese, and, and I'd look back like that. But it just adds a whole layer of annoyance and complication, and it and, and it loses, as you said, like the eye contact. There's like subtle things that get lost, um, not being able to joke in real time, things like that. So so there is a definitely a, a qualitative impact. I would say it, it probably affects more like regular guys more like since i have a lot of this stuff dialed in i can still you know get them solidly with my sub communication and, and stuff like that but for for like an average guy that is is struggling with regular dating stuff anyways or maybe just has the basics down um it's it's probably going to impact him a lot more because he you know it's just adding another whole layer of complication it's like not only does he have to get everything else right but now he has to use translate for every sentence and so that, that kind of, you know, derails him from, from being able to vibe properly in the moment and stuff like that. Um, where, whereas I, I still have a lot of the stuff on autopilot. So, so just that little inconvenience, I was still able to get by uh, pretty well. But, but it definitely is annoying, right, if you can't speak to anybody, even in public when you need directions or um, need to interact with anybody about anything. Having to, having to have to go to the, the Translate app every time is... Is, is just difficult, you know? So I would definitely recommend everybody learn the language. Um, and, and that Michelle Thomas course is really, really good, right? If you're gonna be in a foreign country to, to quickly get conversational. Excellent, yeah, I also, I did a review of the Michelle Th Thomas program somewhere on my channel, I'll link it up above on a card. Um, yeah, a guy once reached out to me who had, he had worked with Michelle Thomas and, um, yeah, we had some conversations off class, but anyways, that's maybe a topic for another, for another video at some stage, but it was kind of interesting. He reached out to me on the internet. He had actually worked with him and developed uh, some of the programs with him. He knew, known him in New York, so, yeah, so he wanted to talk to someone. He's also, Michel Thomas passed away. I think he was over 90, so this guy's also um, uh, uh, post-retirement, so he also wanted to reach out to young, younger people, and <laughs> so he actually contacted me. had some cool conversations about you know, his life and... Uh, yeah, the whole method and how it came about. But definitely it's one that I recommend for beginning, and I've used it for several languages also. Uh, less for Portuguese, but yeah, for Russian I learned it, I used it, and also for Polish. Uh, since now I have some business in Poland with this war, I'm, I'm going pretty regularly. What would you say are the good points and maybe not so good points about life in Brazil? Because also my channel deal with basically, for, it's basically for guys who want to spend a good amount of time in each region. I mean, I focus on Eastern Europe, but it's, the idea is three to 12 months. And maybe contrast that with your experience in Poland and Ukraine, what you liked about it and what you, you didn't like so much. Yeah. So um, Brazil, you know, it depends on where you are in terms of like the safety level, but a lot of Brazil is dangerous. The, the area where I'm in, uh, in Sao Paulo, like the, the official statistic is there's like 96 neighborhoods in Sao Paulo and 33 of them are safer than the U.S. And the safest one, which is called Jardines, that's safer than Germany. So you, you can kind of like stay in the safe areas and, and shield yourself from, from most of the exposure. And I used to live in Florianopolis, and that's like one of the safest areas in all of Brazil. And it feels like first world. So, you know, I've never had any incidents there. In all my time in three and a half years in Brazil, I've only had one incident where someone took my phone on the street during carnival in, in Sao Paulo on this past February. Mm -hmm. And that's like a known thing that happens. And I was just looking at like a a license plate for an Uber and a guy came by in a bike and just grabbed it out of my hand. Um, but, but yeah, that's, that's one factor. Like I definitely felt a lot more safe in, in Poland and Ukraine overall. Um, 
And then I guess you, you just mean like the overall general differences? Yeah, as a, as a place to live at least part of the year. Yeah, I mean, in terms of like the, the physical characteristics of the women, I would say out of all my travels, like the girls in Poland had like the biggest uh, natural breasts, right? So there was a lot of girls with just like huge natural boobs. And, and, I, and I think that's because they don't put a lot of shit in the food that they do, like in the U.S. and a lot of Western nations. Um, and I think a lot of the girls aren't on birth control either. So, so there's not a lot of like, you know, dysregulation of their hormones. Um, and, and Ukraine had a lot of the, you know, more taller, slender model looking types. And then Brazil, you know, they're pretty curvy, but in South Brazil, like where, I, where I've spent my time, I, I haven't explored the rest of Brazil yet. Just, just been South Brazil. Um, lots of people are, are white, right. Contrary to the stereotype of Brazil that, you know, most people have darker skin. A lot of people are, are actually white and have like European influence mixed with really solid Brazilian genetics. So you have a lot of like really nice bodies. <clears throat> I ran into a lot of girls who are like, you know, nine, five or 10 body. And some of them don't even work out. It's just, it's just really, really good genetics. And then that you mix that with like a nice European face. And so you, you kind of have like the best of both worlds. So, and that's more my type. I, I, I prefer Latina girls. Um, the girls in Poland and in Ukraine were super hot as well. But if I had to choose, like, I'm more into, like, a, a really good ass, if I, like, out of all things considered physically in a girl. And that's more common in Brazil, right? And also in Colombia, but Col I think Colombia is far too dangerous with all the problems with scopamine they have there. People overdosing on scopamine and, and all these elaborate schemes to, to rob people and, and stuff like that. And there's just a lot more uh, rampant violence and stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, other differences, I would say... You know, the, the quality of life was, was pretty good in both places. You know, people might see these areas as third world, but I, I think all three, you know, Kiev, Warsaw, and, and, and Florinopolis and Sao Paulo, like, they all felt first world to me. Um, it didn't really feel like there were too many niceties given up. I, I guess the biggest difference is, like, they don't really use uh, dryers, as you know, right, for drying clothes. A lot of people are hanging clothes. And, and dishwashers yeah. aren't that common. And then I guess like central air conditioning isn't, and central heating isn't that common um, either. So you have like the window units. And in Brazil, it's kind of a random thing to note, but they don't have like proper, proper septic systems. So everyone like throws away their dirty toilet paper in the trash instead of flushing it down the toilet, which, you know, it's kind of gross and, and throws me off. I always tease uh, the, the Brazilian girl that I married about that because they grew up with that so they're accustomed to it. it doesn't seem weird to them but if you went your whole life without you know flushing dirty toilet paper down the toilet and then you're suddenly putting it in the trash right but they change their trash often and stuff like that and I guess there's like a way to fold the paper properly where I, I still haven't learned that but <laughs> where, where you, it's not like showing you know the, the actual uh, shit on the paper but um I would say, you know, other than that, your money goes a long way, right? If you're earning in, in Western currency, um, you know, like my company is based in the U.S. And then, you know, people earn a lot less in Ukraine and Poland and in Brazil. So your money goes a lot further. Everything seems a lot cheaper, right? Whether it be an Uber ride or, or even rent, uh, the money is going to go go a lot further. But I would say the biggest difference is, is what we were, we were alluding to before with the the level of openness to sexual type things like in Brazil, a lot of the girls are bi. They're very sexually open. They're not really sexually ashamed. You don't really run into many prude girls 
I mean, sometimes, but but not not as much as as in Ukraine and Poland. I would say, um, I, w- I would you know that that put me off, especially after you know being in nations like the U.S. and, and Brazil and stuff where they'll come straight to the house. It put me off in Ukraine that I would always have to do these public dates, and then oftentimes, as you know, like after the drinks or coffee, they want to go for a walk, or they want to go to another public date venue, and, and they want to have like these marathon dates in public. And when you're, you know, when you're putting a lot of girls through the through the system, so to speak, and and, and dating a higher level of volume, instead of going on a bunch of first dates in, in a day or a week, I would see that okay, there's a third date with this girl, there's a fifth date with this girl, still hasn't closed, still hasn't closed, and so it kind of like extended the dating process out a lot longer. But once a girl would close in Poland, I noticed they would fall for me like super hard and be like really locked in. Um, as as opposed to other places where that wasn't as much the case, I, I feel like they really like fall fall hard for the guy once they actually do, um, you know, hook up sexually. And, and a lot of the girls were, were were looking to just start families and stuff like that as well. Um, and like in Ukraine, I think a lot of them were looking for for something more serious. And um, and 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 one other thing that I found interesting is is a lot of the the girls don't like the locals, like like in terms of. A lot of the like Polish girls that I met didn't like Polish guys. A lot of Ukrainian girls I met didn't like Ukrainian guys. So being a foreigner really is like a big advantage in those places because you know the vast majority of the guys are are, are Polish and Poland or, or Ukrainian and Ukraine, and they prefer a foreigner. And it's the same in Brazil. I don't I don't think as much as Eastern Europe from my my general sense of it, but it still gives you an advantage um, being a foreigner just because it's like you know like a shiny object to them. It's like something different. Like a bunch of the girls I meet in Brazil, like haven't met an American in real life. Um, and and yeah. so, you know, you're playing off the stereotypes of what they think of as an American that they get from like Netflix and, and American movies and stuff like that. Almost like an idealized romanticized version of, of what someone would be like. And, and I, and I assure them that it's, it's not quite like that. A lot of people are very <laughs> obese and, and self-absorbed <laughs> in America and other Western nations. Exactly. I'd say that um, that kind of romantic idea of America exists a small bit in Ukraine and Poland today. I don't think it's like what it would have been the first time I went over 10 years ago. And I would say being a foreigner nowadays, when I say nowadays, we'll say up until the war, because obviously now in 2023, it's a completely different situation. There are basically no foreigners here. I'm one of the very few, but I would say in 2021, that being a foreigner in Kiev or in Odessa or even Lviv in the West, probably not an advantage at all, maybe even a negative, especially in Odessa. I think if you're in a, I think if you're in a smaller town or a town that's less visited by tourists like Dnipro or in Kharkiv, yes, it would be an advantage. But uh, being here as a tourist like or a guy who doesn't speak the local language as a foreigner, no, they, they have so many of them, they have kind of a negative perception of a lot of the guys who were coming, as you said, with this either sex tourism or they were coming, yeah, uh, you have to get out of the sex tourist box or, you know, that you're just a loser back home with no options, that your hun- wife hunter was also the other stereotype here. I think the wife hunter is also probably a bigger um, stereotype even because there were a lot of Ukrainian entrepreneurs scamming the hell out of these foreigners in general, that whole industry, mainly a scam. There were some legitimate boutique 
niche matchmakers, but in general, it's just a huge money-making scam uh, in general. So uh, you did, I don't think that's really the case. Maybe now, if you show up, it's going to be a bit better because there are no foreigners and the country's at war. <laughs> and the U.S. and uh, the European Union countries and Canada are all supporting Ukraine. So obviously that perception is going to be pretty good at the moment. Um, Poland, also the same, just a lot of tourism, I think, in general. And Poles have been EU citizens for a long time now. It's almost 20 years. And my experience recently been in Poland is like not speaking Polish is a bit of an issue. A lot of places won't, don't want tourists. They, the bouncers are not going to let you in if you show up as a foreign guy speaking English. They're just going to say, no, you're not on the guest list, go by. They, they just have this policy. Also in Riga, the best club. Well, yeah, it's discrimination, but it's legal discrimination. They're just not going to say, hey. I mean, if you speak some of the language and you look like you hang out with the locals, that's fine. It's not like they say no black people or no Americans or something like that, right? If you're a black dude and you speak some Polish and you obviously live there, it's not an issue to go into these places. Uh, same in Riga, the best club. Like, I was considered a local because I can speak Russian and about half the city speaks Russian. But the bouncers, I chatted them after the club and they said, we do not let any tourists in at all. You guys are different. You're local. And I was like, yeah, I arrived two days ago, but because I already speak Russian, they, they consider me a bit different. So uh, I think that's changed. And maybe even five, six years ago, was you got more of the foreigner factor. Uh, just a quick comment about, yeah, they used to have the same thing with the toilet paper here in Ukraine, uh, that you didn't put it into the um, toilet bowl. But I've seen that kind of disappear <laughs> in the last few years. So now it's kind of the same as it is, is everywhere else in the West. Um, but yeah, the um, other question I really want to ask you is about the, your decision to get married, number one. And as I alluded to, the, and I think you kind of touched on it, a lot of the Polish and Ukrainian girls were looking for more a serious relationship uh, if they hooked up with the guy than opposed to Brazil, where uh, it's a lot more sexually liberal and girls you know, are, are more promiscuous. It's a more promiscuous culture. Uh, why did you decide in the first place to get married at all? I mean, you could, you could just have a you know, a main girlfriend, presumably. And second of all, why marry a Latin American, a Brazilian, as opposed to an Eastern European, since that's more the, I would say, the myth about the marriage-minded, uh, well, the traditional Ukrainian wife or Polish wife. Yeah, so, um, you know, wanting to remain in Brazil was a, was a big factor. I, I set up my life here. I had a big rotation here. I got accustomed to living here, got used to the, you know, the the abundance of pretty girls here and stuff like that. And I just decided that I want to be here long term. And me and Liz got really serious as well. We, we got three dogs together and, and, we, and we live together and stuff like that. And so, you know, and she's okay with, she accepts my lifestyle, you know, teaching guys dating and also seeing girls on the side. And so we decided, you know, just to take it to the next level. And we didn't have like a ceremony or anything like that. It was just like a, procedure done in like you know the courts and then now since we've been married for over a year legally now i have like lifetime residence in brazil like even if we were to get divorced um the way it works is if you're married to a brazilian person for at least a year then you have like you're like grandfathered in for lifetime residence even if you guys separate so you know that's that's pretty cool because this is my favorite place that i've that i've been from all my travels and so I, I plan on being here long term and I, I speak the language fluently now. Um, but, you know, like some I, I didn't tell my my audience right away because I didn't want people to get the wrong idea because it's not a traditional marriage by any sense. It's almost like I'm a single single bachelor living the player life still. 
Um, I'm like technically legally married, but for all intents and purposes, I'm I'm acting like a single guy. Um, So that's why I didn't really like go into it on my channel. I've announced it since. I mean, you know, actually, you know, when I was in like a a war with a, a different guy, he kind of like made it public. And so, you know, now I've, now I just openly explained to everybody that's just a, a one way open marriage, but I'm still able to do all the things I was doing when I was single as well. I just, I just keep it kind of separate. I have a second place and, and I see the, the side girls in the second place, but, but the girl that I'm, I'm married to knows about all that and, and she's cool with it. Okay. Do you think, um, so basically one of the big perks is permanent residency. That's also the same here in Ukraine. If you, if you get married to a, to a Ukrainian, do you think. Uh, one-way open marriage will be possible in Ukraine or Poland? Um, that, very, very unlikely. I, I think since the girls are a lot more conservative and traditional, um, getting a girl on board to do something like that, I, I would say, I would say, would be incredibly unlikely. Um, I think even you know other girls being okay with the guy casually seeing other girls on the side would would be a deal breaker for most girls, from my experience over there. Um, and again, I think even, I think in any nation, anywhere, it's, it's tough to pull that off. It wasn't easy by any means. And Liz originally, you know, I think still does deep down, like, like she would just prefer to be with me monogamously one-on-one instead of having to share me with other girls and having to split my time and attention with other girls. And it often detracts from, from stuff that I have with Liz because, you know, she'll want to spend time with me, but I have to go out and see other girls or, when I'm with her, she wants me to be present and I'm, I'm sometimes distracted by Tinder messages or, or text messages or whatever. So, you know, there was a lot of growing pains and, and a lot of, you know, various fights and stuff like that over time. So, um, you already explained about the difference in the marriage. Where have you seen the, where have you seen more hotties? Absolutely top nines and tens. Do you see them more in Brazil or do you see them more in Poland and Ukraine in your opinion? Um, that's tough. I I would say like in both places, it it was, I would say in all three places between Poland, Ukraine and Brazil, uh, far more hot girls than I've seen anywhere else. Um, I would say what, what takes the cake is Florinopolis when, when I was there for carnival in 2020, which what really sold me on Brazil is I was at an event that was at a venue with 5,000 capacity. There's, there's a club in the north of, of Florinopolis called uh, P12, or as they say, Paydozi. Yeah. And it's 5,000 capacity. And so, you know, but it looked like there was more girls than guys. But let's say maybe there was like 3,000 girls, 2,000 guys, or even if it was 50-50, at least a couple thousand Brazilian girls. It was fully packed. And they're all in like the carnival outfits, which is like the equivalent of like U.S. Halloween costumes. So a lot of them are wearing like pasties and thongs you know, that very little clothing on a lot of the girls. And I'd never seen so many beautiful girls in one place. Like I was, I, I was with a couple of advanced friends in the game because we were, we were just there on holiday and we were looking around and, and I would say maybe like 70 to 80% of the girls were like above a seven. And I'd never seen that anywhere else. And, and, and I would say even like above an eight was, was like a pretty good percentage of them too. And then out of the remaining 30%, like, Hardly anybody was was like ugly, and I had just never seen anything like that. I, I made out, I, I got like fourteen different makeouts there, and ended up uh, leaving with with a really hot one. But but just seeing like how many the sheer level of of like extremely hot girls in one place kind of blew me away, and and I decided that I was gonna gonna stay there long term. 
Um, but you know, there, there's also a, a, a great deal. That was just one particular event there, right? But there's also a great deal of hot girls in Ukraine and Poland as well. Um, as you know, they they just look different, right? So it depends on what guys like. Like like the, the large naturals uh, for the breasts that, that was Poland for sure. The tall model looking girls was Ukraine, and then you know more of like the curves and and if guys are like an ass man, I would, I would say that's more Brazil. Um, but yeah, all three were, were very, uh, very loaded up with hot girls. And that's awesome because then when you go on Tinder, oh, one other big important difference is when Poland and Ukraine, there's hardly anybody that's overweight, right? In, in Brazil, yeah. you, have, you have more people that are overweight than Poland and Ukraine, but not nearly as much as like the US or the UK. But in, in Poland and Ukraine, sometimes I could go like one or two months and not even see one person overweight, which was, which was crazy. It's like a different planet. So when you're on like a dating app, for instance, uh, you know, it's like, which face do you like? Because most people are in shape. Whereas in the U.S. or the U.K. or a Western nation, there's just so many people that are obese or overweight that it just disqualifies them of having any interest, you know, romantically. Um, so that also changes the, the kind of supply and demand right? Since there's so many more attractive girls, um, I think it doesn't go to their head as much as it does like in the US because they're, they're in such limited quantities. More competition, supply and demand, more competition. So then more competition and, and being beautiful is like not as big of a deal. It's not as big of a, of a rarity in Eastern Europe and, and in South Brazil. So, you know, I, I, I would say one other really interesting thing to note is like in South Brazil, it's like the place I've seen the most mismatches, meaning like pure nine fives with like very, very average or below average looking guys. And, and even guys that, you know, act kind of like a loser and stuff like that, uh, you know, stereotypically or traditionally. But, and, and, and at first I was like, oh, there must be money involved in those cases because that's what a lot of people start to assume. But, but having lived here now for three and a half years, there's just so many hot girls, a lot of them, you know, just are, are fine with just a normal average guy or below average guy. He, exactly. He's high enough value in that local dating market. So there you have a little bit of arbitrage, even if the world is kind of internationalizing in terms of beauty with the Internet, with dating apps, with Instagram, you still can have that uh, local uh, advantage. You can get it by just moving to the country. You can jump a few times, a few more points. John, thanks enough. For, thanks a million for the very interesting interview. We might do another one again sometime in the future. I'm going to link down below in the description uh, links to your website, to your, to your dating products. Uh, you have a very methodical, scientific approach to the dating process. Uh, we, went, we didn't go into that today, but for guys who are you know, looking to improve their performance in the dating market and upskill, then definitely you know, from watching your videos on YouTube, it's been quite informative and educational. So have a lovely evening in Brazil. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Perfect. Okay, John. Talk soon. Beleza. Obrigado. Tchau, tchau. Sar Experience.